Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Will Cole. He is a leading functional medicine expert and specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs. We are discussing his book, The Inflammation Spectrum, Find Your Food Triggers and Reset Your System. Will, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what what inspired you to put this book together? Well, the inflammation spectrum is really born out of my clinical experiencing patients and my my weeks are spent for the past 11 years really immersed in, in consulting patients. We see patients online via webcam, patients around the world struggling with these uh, different various forms of inflammation. Uh, inflammation is really the underlying commonality between just about every health problem we face as a society today. I mean... You look at you know heart disease and diabetes, cancer; those are all chronic inflammatory health problems. Autoimmune conditions as a, a top patient base that these are all inflammatory digestive problems. Neurological issues, even I mean, it's a whole field of research referred to as the cytokine model of cognitive function. Cytokines are pro-inflammatory cells. It's it's what research is looking at is is how inflammation is impacting how the brain works and. In the West, we like to separate mental health from physical health, but in fact, mental health is physical health. Our brain is part of our body, and research is looking at how inflammation is really uh, associated with driving anxiety and depression and fatigue and brain fog. So there's so many far-reaching implications to chronic inflammation, uh, and I wanted to educate people about it and how inflammation exists on a spectrum, you know, from mild symptoms on one end of the inflammation spectrum, like maybe background anxiety, maybe low-grade fatigue or digestive bloating, something like this on one end of the inflammation spectrum to the other end of the inflammation spectrum, which is the full-blown diagnosis code autoimmune condition or, or a mental health issue or diabetes or heart disease, and then everything in between. So it's this continuum of inflammation. Um, so it's educating people about that. And then most importantly, what to do about it. Because while one side of the coin is we see the rise of these health problems, I mean, millions and millions of people are going through these health issues or, or have a loved one that's going through these issues. But the other side of the coin is that these are largely overcomable, healable, reversible, supportable health issues. So um, I wanted to teach ways to use functional medicine principles to calm these inflammation issues, to restore health, to regain vibrant wellness. And because we're all different, it's really the heart of the inflammation spectrum book is bio-individuality. We're all different. And what works for one person may not work for the next person. So I want to touch on... What I talk um, about with patients. 
I, I want to touch on, on what you were saying about um, all these chronic illnesses. I, I, not everybody may be aware. I mean, we talk about metabolic syndrome and heart disease, so diabetes and heart disease, everybody is aware of. But in, in the introduction of your book, you, you talk about the rise of a lot of diseases, you know, the rise of cancer. Um, what I found really shocking, although I knew depression was on the rise, is I, I think you said that depression is the number one leading cause for people to be on disability which is really telling of what's going on in the world that there there is so much going on that people can't even work yeah oh yes i mean it's true but it's one of those things that when i'm consulting patients you they may not even verbalize it or write it down on a form depression but when you get into the health history and you really talk to somebody or, you know, for somebody that is a functional medicine practitioner, if you're just talking to friends or really getting to know them, you're going to find, sadly, that various forms of, of depression exist way more common than I believe they're even being reported. Because just like any other, you know, there's an autoimmune inflammation spectrum, there's a depression spectrum too. And it's not always like the overt obvious depression. Sometimes people just describe it as I I don't have the motivation. I I don't have the zest for life. I just feel like everything's dull. I don't really feel anything anymore. I I cry at the drop of a hat. Um, Or they they see it as more of uh, anxiety. Because anxiety and depression are so intertwined, they may feel more anxiousness, but it's part of that anxiety and depression sort of intertwinement that that I oftentimes see so often. But they may not even be conscious enough to even know they are depressed. But it's part of that inflammation. There's there's a dis- there's a imbalance in their body that's making them feel the way that they do. And my job as a functional medicine practitioner is to find out what is upstream, what is the root cause of why somebody feels the way that they do. And it's not an antidepressant deficiency. It's not a a medication deficiency. It's it's explaining why they feel the way that they do. So it really is this unique conversation to find out uh, what, what is their story, what's going on. Um, well, and I, I find a lot of people also don't know what depression is. You know, depression or anxiety often have to be explained because we're in so much denial about them as a society that, you know, we don't want to either admit it or look at it or we just don't understand it. Um, and, and I think the same goes for autoimmune diseases as well, which are definitely on the rise and our understanding of them is very, very limited, uh, as well as our, our treatment um, from a conventional method with medication is, um, you know, more about symptom treatments to give a slightly better quality of life until the disease, you know, takes over in the end, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's very reactionary when it comes to autoimmunity. I mean, we talk about that at length in the book because it's so many people. I mean, it's, it's estimated that in the United States alone, there's 15 million Americans that have an autoimmune disease. But the reality is, there are many more that are somewhere on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum where there's three main stages that I talk about in the book. There's silent autoimmunity, which is if you ran labs, they would have positive antibodies, but they feel fine. And then stage two is autoimmune reactivity, which a lot of people are at and they don't even know it. They're the ones that have these positive autoimmune markers on labs and they don't feel well. 
they're diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, or they are told, well, it looks autoimmune, but they don't fit all the boxes, check all the boxes to get be a stage three, which is the full-blown autoimmune disease. It's, di- di- it's diagnosable. It fits all the criteria to be labeled with that diagnosis code. But the reality, like you said, I mean, you have to have significant destruction before mainstream conventional medicine will say you have whatever autoimmune condition it is. I mean, for example, there has to be 90% destruction of the adrenal glands before mainstream medicine calls it Addison's disease or autoimmune adrenal disease. You have to have about 70 to 90% destruction of any part of your body before it shows up on an imaging study or they're catching it and it's fitting all the boxes to, to be called things like MS or celiac disease or all sort of colitis or Crohn's. So research estimates that it's about four to 10 years prior to when somebody's diagnosed with that autoimmune disease, four to 10 years prior is when these things started happening, started brewing. The inflammation was brewing. They didn't happen overnight. It's about a four to 10 years prior. So it's, this is this autoimmune spectrum. And you're right that by the time they're diagnosable, they're given steroids or biologic immunosuppressants. And the reality is anybody on those medications will tell you it's not a walk in the park. You know, it's, this is not some utopia where they have this magic pill that's cured all their problems. This is a medications with side effects and they are not sustainable for most people. So it is reactionary and it's not really solving the epidemic problems of autoimmunity that we face as a, as a world. You know, and these are things, you know, a lot of people listening might think, well, that's really serious. I don't fit in that category. But another um, signs of inflammation where they're just starting so that that four to 10 years before somebody's diagnosed with something, um, what would that look like? I'm guessing there would be some pain and fatigue and and some other things of them on the mild inflammation spectrum. Yeah, so I think the things that and that's why I started the book out with a quiz, because the quiz is adapted from questions that I ask patients online, and I'm consulting them. And it's going through the, what I consider the seven main sections on the inflammation spectrum. So we're going through brain health and gut health and the connection between the two. We're looking at hormones. We're looking at blood sugar. We're looking at detoxification. We're looking at musculoskeletal issues. We're looking at autoimmunity when the immune system actually turns against the body. And we're, the eighth section is this, uh, what I call polyinflammation. It's inflammation in more than one area. So there's going to be mild symptoms or there's going to be extreme symptoms. But some of the mild ones in the area, so for the brain, it could be low-grade anxiety. Like they don't know why they're anxious, but they just have a sense of anxiousness. So they have uh, racing thoughts. So they have fatigue um, or they have blood sugar roller coasters throughout the day. They get hangry and irritable. Uh, they have trouble losing weight. Uh, that's another sign of low-grade in- inflammation because that's metabolic syndrome uh, or, or insulin resistance where the body is having trouble losing weight, and insulin resistance is driven by inflammation of the cellular receptor sites uh, to uh, insulin, insulin, insulin receptor sites in the liver. So we can go on and you know look at hair and skin and nails and, and metabolism and hormones and all of these things that people just settle for that they think, oh, this is just me or I'm just getting older or I'm just a new mom or I'm just stressed. They don't realize that this is the body's check engine lights to say something's not right. And people just keep going about their life and they think just because something's common, they equate that with normalcy. 
ubiquity doesn't necessarily equate with normalcy. And many people settle for feeling lousy because they look around at other people that feel just as lousy as them or worse, and they think that's normal. Well, no, it's not normal. It's just common. Chronic health problems are on the rise. It's very easy to find it and (laughs) say that's normal, um, sadly. But it's something that, again, these are things that are overcomable and healable and reversible in those cases. So... If we can do that, why would we want to settle for anything less? And I see many people just not realizing they even have an option. They just think that's their lot in life. But the reality is, uh, most of the time, that's not the case. Well, and I think our our medical system is part of that because when people don't feel well for the first time, um, whether it's age or just something has happened and they go to their doctor and their blood work is normal and they're sent home and then that symptom stays because they're told that's the way they're going to be. And then other symptoms come and start piling on. And I, I think this is where, you know, on that mild end of the spectrum, it would start and then it would slowly, if it gets left going in that direction, go into the direction is something that's a lot harder to turn around. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. So, I mean, part of the reason why I think the book is, is so important is people can start to wake up. No matter where they're at on the inflammation spectrum, they can start to say, whoa, I thought that was just normal, but I am actually finding out this is not normal and I can do something about it because, again, it's just we live in this age where we have so much content on content on content and this endless vortex of Dr. Google and its conflicting information. But people are just almost have a, they're divorced from their bodies in many ways because they're all, they're so stuck and distracted. They're distracted with technology. They're distracted with their busyness. They're distracted with stress and they aren't in tune with their bodies. So the book is a chance to check in with their body again and root themselves in their body to actually do a system analysis in a way to say, whoa, like this is my everyday, but this is actually a sign and let's do something about it now. And, and, and I agree. I think that this happens in, in my office a lot. And, and, you know, partly to me, although, you know, I went through a, a health journey with chronic Lyme 12 years ago and it took 14 years to get diagnosed and it builds up really slowly. And I kept being told that I was normal. So if, if you know, something is telling you it's not normal, just keep looking for that solution. Yeah. And, and you'll, you'll be able to figure out a way to have a better quality of life. Because if you're tired and you're sore and you're achy and your doctor tells you you're normal or you can't lose weight or you're bloated, that's not normal, but it's common. And I think that's the misconception that happens with doctors is they say it's normal because everybody's experiencing that, which actually means it's common and you shouldn't be experiencing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what you went through is something that I see a lot at consulting patients is that these chronic infections like Lyme or a Lyme co-infection or some tick-borne problem or other biotoxin issues like mold, they are vastly underdiagnosed. And But these are things that are measurable. These are things that you can catch on labs if you do the d- proper digging um, and give people answers because we know these biotoxins, we know these tick-borne problems and Lyme disease can trigger autoimmune issues, can trigger chronic fatigue syndrome. So it's super important that, that you're having this conversation. I think it's so important because so many people are delegitimized or they don't they're told there's nothing wrong with them or they're told they're just depressed take these antidepressants and they're not really getting to the root cause of why they are going through and struggling with what they're struggling with 
Well, we're going to help people figure out that root cause. We're going to take a quick break right now. We're talking today with Dr. Will Cole, and we're discussing his book, The Inflammation Spectrum. And we'll be back shortly. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. My co-host Oliver is a seven-pound chihuahua cross, and he sits through all my shows with great puppy patience. He was super happy when I came home with Carbona Pet Stain and Odor Remover, which is an oxy-powered formula with active foam technology and is engineered to permanently remove pet stains and odor. Carbona is a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. Although he tries his best, Oliver sometimes does have accidents. I pulled out the Carbona Pet Cleaner and voila, we were stain-free and clean. It was easy to use, pet-safe and hassle-free. The built-in two-in-one brush top tackles stains at the surface and deep into the carpet fibers. It is now my other best friend. Use code FTTC at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning! Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Will Cole, and we're discussing his book, The Inflammation Spectrum. So in, in your book, you talk about, um, obviously, food. Um, you know, you, you have that questionnaire where you help people figure out where they land on the spectrum. And then what's the next step once you figure out that you do have inflammation in your body? And at that point, everybody gets their own toolbox based on where their main focus of inflammation was. So there's 
the seven main sections that I mentioned in the last segment where it may be brain for one person or maybe hormones for another person or maybe gut health for another person and where inflammation is higher and everybody's different. So it's to find that bio-individual inflammation profile based on their quiz score and then they their toolbox is going to be appropriate and tailored to their issues. So let's say there's someone scored higher in the brain section, they're going to get things like neurotropics or they're going to get things like foods to focus on that research has shown just be able to support brain health and lowering brain inflammation or neuroinflammation. Or maybe it's hormones and and they're scored higher in the hormone section and they have things like adaptogens and or foods to focus on that support hormonal balance. So on and so forth to the seven main sections of on the inflammation spectrum. And then that eighth section is the polyinflammation where maybe they're higher in brain and hormones. They can use both of those toolboxes. So it enables the reader to really choose their own adventure in a way to have agency over the wellness once more, or maybe for the first time in their life, to start to calm and abate this, these inflammatory cascades. And then based on their total quiz score, they're gonna have a unique plan that is based on their quiz score. So basically the people that scored higher on the inflammation spectrum quiz are gonna have a more advanced track to calm inflammation, and then the people that scored lower on the quiz We'll have a simpler approach. Like you said earlier in the last segment, not everybody is going through major issues. Maybe they're going through some mild weight loss resistance or having trouble losing weight, or maybe they're, they want more energy, or they just are feeling a little bit dull or, or maybe some bloating. Then at that point, they're going to have a simpler track. You know, everybody needs uh, bigger intervention. So I want it to be more approachable, for it to be more approachable for people that were taking action on their health earlier on. That's a great thing. Not everybody needs everything. Um, but I realize that there's a lot of people that aren't going to read the book, and when they fill out the quiz, they're going to discover, whoa, I'm going through more than I thought I was going through, and they are going to need a bigger intervention. So there's two different food plans that are based on the quiz score. And then we talk about all these non-food inflamers, too. It's not just about food, because, yes, Every food we eat either feeds inflammation or fights it. There's no Switzerland meal. It's doing one thing or the other. And I want to teach the reader in the book what their body loves, like what their body hates. We're all different. It's bio-individuality. And there's a lot of healthy foods out there that work great for one person, and then they cause a flare-up in the next person. And these are a lot of the patients that I'm consulting online because... They have tried all the things. They're doing all the wellness stuff, but they're still struggling. So I wanted to really hone in on food bioindividuality in the book of how food interplays between the person's biochemistry differently from person to person. And then this genetic, epigenetic sort of interplay that happens when people eat food, and it, the response can be so different depending on who you're talking to. So that's the food component. And then the non-food component, all these other non, these other things in life that can influence inflammation as well. So it's not just about food when it comes to health. So we look at stress and toxins and screen time and social media addiction and social isolation, all these other components that research is pointing to as instructing inflammation as well. So I'm really excited for people to read that because maybe it's very easy, especially in the world of wellness, to be overly myopic and say, well, it's just about food. Yes, 
food is an entry point because we're all eating food. But there are other things that I see many times. People have the food down properly, but they're serving their body a big slice of stress every day or scrolling endlessly on their, you know, FOMO-inducing social media content that's driving up cortisol and inflammatory cascades there, there too. So it's, it's not just what we're feeding our body, but it's also what we're feeding our, our mind and our soul as well. Well, I'd like to go back to the, the food part first. Um, what it would, if somebody just had mild inflammation, what would they do with food? So the, there would have what I call the core four track in the book. So they are removing four foods for four weeks, and then they're reintroducing those foods. So it's a clear-cut, uh, thoughtful, I would call it well-formulated elimination diet approach because in clinical nutrition and functional medicine, in the space that I'm in, it's still the gold standard to find out food reactivities, food sensitivities is a, is a thoughtful elimination diet. So the core four is eliminating grains, added sugar, high omega-6 oils like canola oil, vegetable oil, industrial seed oil, uh, and dairy. So those are foods that research is pointing to driving inflammation in many people. Does that mean everybody should avoid those all four food groups or food types for the rest of their life? No. Again, I'm going back to this heart of bioindividuality of finding out what your body loves. And there are some people that can have some of those foods in different forms and they're fine. There are some people that probably should avoid all four of those foods. So this is about your own experiment in your life, your own N equals one experiment of of feedback on how you feel. And then there's a, the more advanced track is the eliminate track, uh, where it's the core four plus four more, or eight different foods for eliminate, uh, which is the core four plus four more, which includes nightshades, which are peppers, tomatoes, eggplants, goji berries, white potatoes, legumes, which are beans, nuts and seeds, and eggs. So that's going to be the eight foods for eight weeks, removing those for eight eight weeks, eight foods, and then you reintroduce those to find out what your body loves and doesn't like. So that's the food component of that. And again, of course, they have their toolbox from their quiz score to focus on different foods based on their specific needs. So you have this set up as an elimination diet. So is there a certain point where they would reintroduce the foods to, to find out how their body is with them? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So elimination diets, if they're done properly, they're not meant to be eliminating foods forever. The, the reintegration um, component is, in my opinion, just as important as the eliminating component because you want to find out what your body loves. You don't want to just remove these for the sake of it because they're all different. So at the end of the elimination period, we've calmed inflammation, we've centered the body, person is more eating nutrient-dense, delicious foods. There's lots of recipes in the book. Um, and then they can start bringing in the foods that they want to bring back in, and we teach how to do it. Because, look, when I mentioned those eight foods for eliminate or the four foods for core four, not all of those are going to be problematic for all people. So the reintroduction of the foods that they miss or they enjoy, I want them to experiment, and we teach how to do it. And there's going to be different forms of those foods, like different types of grains or different types of dairy or different types of sugar that you, the reader may find they do well with one kind and not with another kind. And 
different types of eggs, like duck eggs versus chicken eggs. There's so many variabilities that I'm talking about in that reintroduction chapter, which is a super important chapter because not all of those different foods are created equally. There's better forms of them. There's forms that are, tend to be more inflammatory. So I want people to look on that list, bring in the things that they want to bring in, and we teach how to systematically reintroduce them so they get that feedback and say, oh, whoa, whoa, I feel really, I feel fine when I have that, and I miss that food. I want to bring it back in. And maybe they find that they do fine, on, maybe they, did, they eliminated their eight foods, and they do fine with four, but they don't do fine with the other four. So it's just enabling them to transcend this plan or this diet or this program in a book to, it's their life. This is what works for them and what doesn't. And this isn't about all the foods you can't eat. This is about really loving your body enough to feed it things that make you feel good. And avoiding that food that makes you feel lousy isn't punitive or punishment. It's not obsessive dieting. It's just about, no, I love feeling better more than I miss that food that makes me feel fatigued or bloated or inflamed. So this is that, that, that food piece that I talk about in the book that I want people to find that, the clarity and discernment on what works for their body. Well, and, and this is really important because I, I think it's pretty rare these days that people don't have some sort of reaction to something, um, you know, and what you list are the most common, you know, grains and, and sugar and dairy are, are pretty high up there and, and people having reactions to them. And then we're walking around with that inflammation every day, which is what you're trying to eliminate for people to feel good. So I agree with you that, you know, it's deciding what is more important to to eat a food that's hurting you and and go through that pain or to feel good and have a better quality of life yeah exactly and that's that that freedom again that people can have that food freedom or food peace like i call it in the book because they don't have to feel shackled to a diet or like or shackled to feeling lousy (laughs) because feeling unhealthy isn't a life of freedom either. Having, un, you know, being unaware or disillusioned on what works for your body is not a life of freedom. It's actually quite a miserable time. Um, so to really not have that over your life anymore is really a place of freedom and it's a good place to be from. So it's so important. Like when I write, when I wrote The Inflammation Spectrum or wrote my first book, Ketotarian, it's just context is so important like the ethos of why somebody's doing what they're doing is to me paramount to sustainable wellness because when I'm not coming from a place of stress and striving or orthorexia this sort of stress and shame about eating healthy it's not where I'm coming from where I'm coming from is using food as medicine finding out what works for your body and using food to feel great and that to me has to be the paradigm shift shift otherwise you're just adding to your pile of diets you've tried which really our culture do we need any more of that i don't think so so i think that this is um quite important when we're talking about i believe like the new age of of eating and food as medicine well, I, I agree with you on that one. This is very similar to what I do with all my patients. Um, and I don't, you know, I always get asked why I'm not being stricter if they've done research. Um, if it's their first stop, they think I'm being really strict. But, um, you know, I, I explain 
right? As I'm sure you know. Um, but I explained that, you know, everybody's different. So we have these pendulum swings and diets all the time and, and we'll go to one extreme and then we'll go to another or we'll just have many diets that work for different people but never the same way for everybody. And so we need to figure out what works for for us for as individuals, which is yeah. what I love about your book because, you know, being on a spectrum means you're going to be different than that person next to you. One person can eat rice, the next person can't. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, this is not about saying any one of those eight foods was inherently bad. This, because, like, for example, I do fine with eggs. I do fine with ketchup, with tomatoes, with nightshade. But you know, I know many patients and colleagues of mine that will get flare-ups from eggs or t- tomatoes. So we're all different. It's not making over, you know, generalized, broad-sweeping statements on those foods and saying like all nightshades are bad and should be avoided, or all nuts and seeds or grains are bad and they all should be avoided. No, that's not true at all. It's bio-individuality. And that's why when you hear this sort of broad-sweeping statements in the space, like whether all lectins are bad and everyone should be avoiding them, or, you know, grains are bad, they all should be avoiding them. Well, that's partly true. It's relatively true for some people. But if you hung your hat on one way of eating all day long for everybody, if you're seeing patients like you see clients, you know that like they're going to be you're going to be proven wrong all day long because there's so much nuance in life uh, whether you're looking at it from a physiological standpoint microbiome different genetic snips to just personal preference because stressing about eating healthy can impact the outcome as well so you have to look at all these variables and I try to bring the variables together in the book so people can start to understand like what brings about positive change when it comes to wellness do you find that when people start this process, um, I, I can see that there's two categories that they would experience um, in a resistance. One would just be that they don't want to do it. And the other, um, you know, change is hard. But the other could be that they're severely addicted to all of these foods because, you know, they're they're all they're all considered addictive grains and dairy and sugar especially are considered very addictive so what do people do to get past that part well i mean i think there's a mental emotional component and the bi-directional relationship with physiology because our physiology meaning our hormones or inflammation or neurotransmitters impacts thoughts and emotions but then thoughts and emotions impacts physiology like stress hormones things like that so we have to look at both sides of the coin. There are, is going to be physiological, addictive qualities to this, whether it's sort of the blood sugar roller coaster or sort of the opiate type response that some people can get from the proteins and dairy and grains and sugar. Um, very, very true. Uh, and they have to put in, and that's why the ethos is so important. Like, what is their why? Why are they doing what they're doing? It's just being focused and motivated. And we make food fun in the book, and we're giving them things not just devoid, but tons of delicious things to focus on and eat. And they don't have to eat like a rabbit, like munching on kale every day to be healthy. They can eat really decadent, nutrient-dense, filling, delicious foods. And that's the refocus on that level. But then the mental, emotional, spiritual component, we bring mantras, we bring stress management tools, we bring uh, activities of stillness into their four weeks or eight weeks, depending on their program in the book, they can have things to really abate that as well on that level because 
they have to stay centered through this change because these foods, like you say, can be addicting. Um, yeah, so it's definitely important. But when you've consulted patients over the years like I have and I'm sure you've seen as well, like you've heard every excuse in the book and seen every potential, yeah. you know, uh, hurdle that you that's out there in human behavior you can start to bring these things into a book and really say, okay, look, I know I've seen this before. It's okay. We're going to get through this together. And I'm sort of walking them through the book as if I was there with them going through those four weeks or eight weeks. That's um, pretty helpful. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Dr. Will Cole, and we're discussing his book, The Inflammation Spectrum, and we'll be back shortly. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Will Cole, and we're discussing his book, The Inflammation Spectrum, Find Your Food Triggers and Reset Your System. So you um, you mentioned earlier that there are other things as well that can be causing inflammation aside from food. I mean, your book is focusing on the food part for, you know, you have a lot of recipes in this plan. But what what are some of the main things that you see that can cause inflammation aside from food? Yeah, so that's the important part of the book because, as I mentioned earlier, like it's not just about food. Yes, food is a, a powerful modulator of either calming inflammation or, or creating it, um, but it's important to look at the other variables as well, as well as life that is influencing inflammatory pathways in addition to food. So through the weeks of people working on calming inflammation, we're bringing in and uh, educating people about these non-food inflamers uh, that can also impact inflammation. So we're looking at things like stress, looking at things like toxin exposure, the products that people are using in their home or on their skin, 
Um, we're looking at things like social isolation and the research around that and not having a good community and how loneliness and the epidemic of loneliness that's going on today and how that's impacting inflammation. We're looking at social media addiction and the research around that. We're looking at um, disconnection from nature and the research around that. Uh, we're looking at, at sleep and the paramount importance of proper sleep for inflammation. Just one night of poor sleep has been shown to increase high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, one inflammatory biomarker that we can run to gauge inflammation levels. Just one night of poor sleep can spike that inflammatory marker, let alone uh, you know, a sleep disorder or people that are getting poor nights of sleep every night because they're staying up too late on their phone or they're getting not good restorative sleep at night because it's interrupted or whatever reason they're not getting good sleep. So it's all these things too uh, that we have to explore. So we, not everybody, like with the non-food inflamers, not everybody may have all of those problems. So I wanted the reader to pick the ones that they wanted to work on the most. Like maybe one person, they're not getting good enough sleep or they do have a social media addiction issue. They can focus on those two things. They may not need the other things. Maybe they have a great community. They don't have social isolation. So I wanted the non-suit inflamers to really be, okay, as the reader, let's pick the ones you want to focus on because that's going to start emptying the bucket of inflammation. That's going to start reducing that in addition to the food stuff. So it is, um, and then we're bringing in a lot of good stuff too. We're bringing in things like forest bathing and the research out of Korea and uh, Japan and getting out in nature and the pathways that that's been shown to lower inflammation. And we're looking at things like blue light blocking glasses to help with circadian rhythm and sleep, restorative sleep to help with lowering inflammation through the night. Or uh, like things like yoga or Tai Chi or other activities that has been shown to lower stress levels. Um, so there's so many things that people can do to integrate into their life. And it's not overwhelming. The way that I'm reading, writing it in the book is to really just lean people into these practices of lowering inflammation. That's all. So it is um, a really important component to the, to the program. Well, and it, it sounds to me like we, we can't just, you know, press a button and our inflammation go away. So I think a lot of people are, are focused. Food has more press than it used to. Um, and it's a little more acceptable to, to eat well. But at the same time, some people will eat well, but then, you know, they'll work long hours or they'll not look at any other aspect of their life and wonder why they still don't feel better. So I, I like that yeah. you're talking about all of this because it's important for us if we want to be well to actually look at our lives and decide what we want out of it and what's important absolutely I completely agree uh, with you and, and hopefully this is a message for people to start to realize they can have action over their health they can do something about it they're not just a victim of their circumstance any longer because hopefully when you do better when you know better you do better as you know Maya Angelou once said so I think that people should uh, be mindful of, of the choices that they have in life because all the things we do in our life is really a, an instruction to our biochemistry and looking at stress and sleep and food and toxins all this stuff are things that people have largely have influence over. Uh, research estimates that over 80 to 90 percent of how long the people live is determined not by our genetics but by epigenetics, by decisions that people make. So that's the quality of life and the quantity of life. Uh, so this is a, really a message of empowerment, of, of responsibility, and an agency over somebody's life. 
Um, so going back to your uh, talk about nature, I think is really important. You know, I live in a big city and when I was at my sickest, I was extremely sensitive to chemicals, so perfumes and cleaners. And I, I always tell people, you know, at that time, I couldn't go into a mall. I could, I would be about 10 minutes in a mall exposed to all the chemicals and lights and people in there. And then I would lose the rest of my day to extreme fatigue, but I could go outside and go for an hour long hike. And, and that was the difference with what my body was going through and what was good for me as well. Cause who really needed to be in a mall for that long anyway. So, you know, I just spent my energy going outside and getting in touch with nature and trying to find that healing energy that I needed so desperately that obviously is not in the city. I mean, there's not a lot of that going on when you're um, in a concrete jungle. Right. No, you're right. And, and studies have shown that, you know, if there is green spaces in your city, like a little park, or even there's studies to show that even a house plant, or even more remarkably, even just a picture of nature in your office or home has been shown to lower stress levels and lower inflammation. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, we don't have to necessarily live, you know, in the forest to get all the benefits. Yes, there's benefits probably a lot more deeper benefits of that, of getting out in nature, at least regularly visiting. But that's not practical or realistic for everybody. It's feasible. So do what you can. Uh, what's accessible to you? What is affordable for you? What's, what's, what's within your means? So maybe it's bringing in a house plant in or it is getting some essential oils. So some of the research out of Japan and um, South Korea about uh, forest bathing is the benefits some of the benefits of it comes from these compounds in the trees and in the plants. It's the essential oils. So maybe get an essential oil diffuser to sort of mimic some of nature. Get Maybe get a pine essential oil blend or, you know, some scent that's soothing for you. Get a house plant. Get pictures of nature uh, in, your, in your home. These things can also be very therapeutic to reconnect you because, again, our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. So it's really connecting our genetics with what it's adapted to um, and not divorcing it from its source. Um, so at the end of the four to eight-week program, what do people generally feel like? What can people expect? They should feel markedly better uh, and various to various degrees depending on what they're going through. Uh, so that's really the conversation I'm having after those four weeks or eight weeks. I want them to feel more energy. I want them to feel less inflamed. I want them to be sleeping better and more soundly. I want them to feel sharper and more clear. I want them to feel more centered. I want them to feel more energetic. Um, all of these things are because we have centered the body. We've calmed things down and recentered homeostasis into the body. Uh, now, we have like, this uh, sidebar at the end back of the book that talks about other compounds that some people need to be looking at. So we look at things like oxalates and salicylates and histamines and lectins and more advanced stuff that some people need, need to dig into. But uh, those are for the really resistant cases. So maybe they, they feel maybe 50% better, but they know there's something else missing. So we talk about different labs that we can run or different foods they can look at beyond the basics. So we even go even deeper beyond the deep stuff uh, for some people. Because, as you know, I mean, seeing patients, there's a lot of really resistant cases out there um, that I didn't want them to feel that, okay, they go through these four weeks or eight weeks and they feel better, 
but they don't feel entirely better. So I want them to see other things that we can be looking at so they know not all hope is lost. Because uh, sometimes you do need to go beyond the basics, but this is a good entry point for people to start digging into these functional medicine principles for themselves to find out what their body loves. Well, and and I don't know if this is how you do it, but I always tell people, you know, we're going to get your gut sorted out. We're going to make sure you're not adding inflammation, and then we're going to see what's there and if there's even anything that we have to do at the end. And oftentimes there isn't, and, and oftentimes there is. It can go either way, depending, as you said, what's going on with the person. But if all you have to do is change a few things in how you're eating and, and you feel great, then, you know, that's almost a miracle because you just make a different choices in your life life and change a habit and then it becomes something you don't even think about anymore yeah no exactly that's definitely a good approach and uh, so if anybody wants more information is there any way they can get a hold of you or your book yeah I mean um, everything's at drwillcole.com at d-r-w-i-l-l-c-o-l-e.com uh, we offer a free webcam or phone health evaluation if people want to we can do this a bit more. There's a lot of free content, video content, articles. Um, yeah, everything's there. They can order the information spectrum or my first book, Ketotarian, which is a mostly plant-based ketogenic book just with recipes and meal plans and things like that. So there's a lot of resources at drlocal.com. And uh, which is pretty amazing, um, uh, you know, for people to to be able to access that information. And I, I, I want to stress, I love how simple your book is. It's a really easy plan. I think it's important for everyone, even if they don't think that they have a lot going on, to do this kind of assessment. Because the last thing you want is to develop into something more serious if there is a food that's causing mild inflammation. And, you know, I think our best bet in this journey is prevention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really. We're, no matter where you're at on the inflammation spectrum, what can you do today to start to move the needle in, in a positive direction? Uh, that's really the message of the book. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And um, I want to thank everybody for listening today. If you um, want more information about my story and what I went through on my journey back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And you can send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to send any questions or comments you have about this show. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 